like the question is to what degree in terms of depth psychology why you might want to even use this tool you know what's the point of it well in part it's an interesting language I think if you t took it solely just as astrology and didn't look at anything else didn't look at any other forms of depth psychology or how it might relate to other structures or scientific understanding then I think you'd be putting unnecessary blinkers on yourself so you know to what degree you take it I would say you know don't take it in isolation but I would say that with anything um, to what degree can the myth to what degree can this system enrich your experience of your own life and your own interpretation of yourself and of the world around you and what might what you might find going on around you to the degree that it improves your quality of life and possibly improves the quality of life of others who are around you you know that's that to me is the um, the acid test hello everybody oh we're on a green light that's what we like we like green lights the subject today that I wanted to touch on was astrology and the original question was one about how do uh, divinatory arts or practices or archaic arts or practices that have been often de defined as divinatory um, fit within a depth psychology framework and operate within um, the paradigms of modern science or modern scientific understanding. Well, I kind of want to deviate from that a bit because what I'd like to talk about in terms of astrology, I did the previous video on uh, tarot, a little bit about tarot, though that could probably warrant its own uh, video all by itself. Uh, it was tea leaves and palmistry, uh, I think I used as a primary example. Uh, this Today I want to talk about astrology, but less about astrology and more about the uh, the principle of, or, or at least originating with the principle of how the zodiac works and how how it operates as a system of mythological symbols and archetypes and I use the term archetype with a certain amount of wariness because what I mean by archetype is similar to the idea of the archetypal image that is projected out from a field from an influential or thematic field so I've mentioned this in videos before but for those of you who haven't seen those videos I'll just go over it and give you two basic examples and that being the planet Venus and the planet Mars. In astrology, in traditional Western astrology at least, represent two principal forces in the world. And we can see them symbolically as having been used to represent masculine and feminine, or male and female. That Mars, which is like the symbol for it, is the circle with the arrow coming out of it. Originally it was a cross coming straight out on top the cross of matter and the circle of spirit and Venus is the opposite which is the the circle with the cross underneath 
but these have been you know up, updated if you like some people have taken the uh, the the margin the the symbol of Mars to be that of uh, the warrior the warrior archetype and this is possibly a good example of how some of these symbols get perverted because you know it's the idea of oh it's the spear the arrow with with the circle of the shield coming out of it and it wasn't originally originally it was the cross of matter and spirit enacting on the world of matter as opposed to Venus which is the world of matter enacting on spirit so one is active and the other is receptive and and one model for that in the body a, good, a great my favorite example is that of the circulatory system or the um, at least that of, of blood how blood flows in the body the heart which also corresponds I believe with the Sun you know it pumps it pumps the blood out and the blood is pumped out through arteries so that is the Martian principle that's Mars at work thematically if you like you could say or certain astrologers in the past those people who have used uh, astrology or the language of astrology to explain things have used the notion of Mars uh, as that of it, or, would, or could use the principle of Mars to say that that is what rules the outward flow of blood in the system and that Venus is the venal return. It's where blood is drawn back to the heart through the veins. So the action of pumping it out also creates a vacuum that sucks the blood back in through a different valve. Amazing when you consider it. Just stopping for a moment to think about what's going on inside your own body as well. The miracle of it. Um, that, that then the venal return draws um, blood back to the heart. So it draws it in. In a similar way, then the eyes and the ears have been said to, you know, they kind of fit within this thematic field, this thematic, and you, if you want to call it archetypal, um, feel free to do so. Uh, this thematic field of, um, you know, we take things in with the eyes. So, you know, in an, in astrology, Venus often rules what we consider to be of value, what we consider to be beautiful. It rules the signs, um, uh, Taurus and, um, and Libra, uh, both of which are can, you know, kind of deal with this question of beauty in, in their own way and of value as well, you know, because then what we see as beautiful and what we see as uh, not beautiful determines or what we see as of value determines what we take into our lives what we consider to be things that we want um, in our lives and the things that we want to reject so it's these thematic fields that for me and that are very interesting most interesting in terms of the zodiac and it is about the zodiac um, rather than it as a predictive device which it has been used as such it is more interesting to me to consider it as a uh, a shorthand an archaic 
and ancient mode of trying to talk about the psyche, trying to talk about systems and systems principles that are that operate on a biological, on a psychological, on a social and on an environmental level across the whole range of what experience has to offer. So we can see those same principles in a tree, for example, you know, and this is going back to the symbol of what Mars represented before it became the warrior. It was an agrarian symbol. You know, Mars was an agrarian god. He ruled fertility, the eruption of life. So that could be, you know, it, as often Mars is considered to be masculine because it would rule the phallus, for example, the erect penis. And ejaculation and uh, plants erupting out of the earth, that sort of process of life coming into, you know, it's active. It's the active, uh, it's an, an active creative force in the world that is, um, yeah. So, how does this all combine in the zodiac uh, and how is it relevant? I, well, I think it's relevant because, as I said before, it occupies a place in history that predates this, um, what we have our understanding of. Uh, psychotherapy for example um, there's a developmental cycle that repeats over life within the 12 steps of the signs of the zodiac from the first house which is uh, uh, that relates to Aries correlates with Aries right round to the final house the 12th house of Pisces and there is scope for us to go into this in greater depth but possibly on a course I'm thinking um, we might do this and incorporate this with the Mythomap because there is scope to use it in your own um, self analysis if you like up to a certain point again the caveat that I always use with this is in all of these principles is do we want we don't really want we want, I want everyone to be very aware and very wary, not to interject these things and try to use them as devices to identify yourself with. Like they are principles and they're personified because the personification makes them easier to remember sometimes and makes them you know, there's a, there's a level of information that can get transmitted through these archetypal images that can uh, operate across a bandwidth of human consciousness that is not just limited to, you know, in, um, I say intelligent people or high, higher people with a higher degree of consciousness. Um, you know, stories touch everyone at some level. So if you can have a story that at a very basic, that at a very basic level can be understood and represents something of human experience, but that is codified to a degree that it can also contain a bandwidth of information that is more complex, because symbols t tend to, then you can then you can hold more meaning in those 
uh, in how patterns can be um, assembled and organized and then the transmission of those patterns um, so um, hoping that makes sense um, so yeah the whole system of the zodiac then and if we look at it historically you know where did it begin that's another fascinating area to look at for me I can imagine I can imagine that astrology and alchemy have a very common root because when we were our, our great ancestors when they sat around fires and saw how the fire would transform the material of the material physical universe like you could cook food on it you could create heat you could turn you know you could turn wood into flame you know it was the art it was an art you imagine the first people who were able to light fires like until that became a, um, an ability that that people shared when they were first lighting fires imagine the technology and the power that those people must have had um, the claim that they must have been able to have and then the experience the magic and the wonder of it and how and seeing this transformation well that's all anchored in us at a very deep level i believe and alongside this human beings sitting around a campfire you know whether whatever degree of shelter we were in or not in some of us would have been beneath the open skies and on the nights that there were no clouds and on the especially on the nights where there was uh, a new moon crescent moons then the sty the skies the stars in the sky would have shone very bright and over time because the night would have been half of our lives depending on how much people would have slept remember there would have been at this point we're talking about the dangers in the world at that time the threats that would have been um, out there for all of us that the fire would have kept at bay to some degree and watching these embers as they spark off into the night and noticing that some of those stars that we would see in the heavens were not fixed but moved we would have noticed the movement of the moon for sure as we would have done the Sun these two great luminaries whose transitional phases we would have marked to some degree and to a greater or lesser extent and to a greater extent over time we began to we began to mark hope you've got that it's just got a low battery warning come up uh, we began to mark in agrarian calendars which we can we we know from historical records at least from 5,000 years ago in Mesopotamia that uh, this is what or actually probably a little bit a little bit later than that but um, that we were using to mark the passing of seasons that astrology was part of this it was part of what were the material changes that we saw in the physical world and how did we mark them by the change of seasons and also then beyond the moon which the lunar calendar these cycles of agrarian calendars 
it's not uncommon for them to follow two-week periods that they would um, that one would then begin to see the other luminaries out to Saturn Jupiter Mars Venus and Mercury you know, um, whatever names they were given uh, culturally and they did have different names and they did have different um, different myth mythologies that went along with them I'm thinking particularly specifically of Venus when Venus falls below the horizon and the portents that come along with that and the other interesting feature of astrology in those terms was that it it was considered to be um, an art in the sense of its interpretation but a science in the sense that it was combined with astronomy but I'm going I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit um, it's that idea that we would have sat around the fire and while alchemy in some sense you know if you'd seen an ore melt and then reharden back into metal and that these first alchemists were indeed metal workers who worked with intense heat who could form a sword who could pour liquid earth or the ore liquid ore into a cast and then quite literally pull the sword from the stone cast this is you know this is um, contained within these later myths of the Arthurian legend, for example. You know, that Arthur pulls the sword from the stone. Um, because these initial metal workers would have used stone casts to, to shape metal in some instances. So it's magic. And then to be able to comprehend or interpret what, this, what import the movement of the luminaries through the heavens might have upon people on the earth. Because in a similar way, you know, we, I mentioned before how people would observe socially. Remember, we were in groups. We were in groups where we weren't distracted by television. There were certain cultural rites and rituals, but there would be observation of each other as a collective not divorced, we were not shut away, we were not on the iPhones, we were not looking at laptop screens, locked away in individual rooms and compartments, we were collective. And so we would have seen how the potential for certain correspondences between movements in the heavens may well affect life on the planet and people. And this interpretive art and how it grew grew from that place. Now, the degree to, to which that then makes it a valid, you know, is questionable. And I would invite each and every person individually to work that out for themselves. And to be very wary of anyone who would predict anything with astrology. But looking at it from your own individual perspective and learning to interpret your own natal chart, that's a different thing because what you'll be doing, even if you disagree and you are allowed to disagree 
with the interpretations that come into your natal chart, understanding the basic principles, the basic thematic language of the zodiac has its own functionality that exists beyond of definitive interpretations because it's a shorthand that that really maps over experience and how how certain laws play out in a physical dimension as i said with mars and venus you know now getting lost in this is that like the question is to what degree in terms of depth psychology why you might want to even use this tool you know what's the point of it well in part it's an interesting language i think if you t took it solely just as astrology and didn't look at anything else didn't look at any other forms of depth psychology or how it might relate to other structures or scientific understanding then I think you'd be putting unnecessary blinkers on yourself so you know to what degree you take it I would say you know don't take it in isolation but I would say that with anything um, to what degree can the myth, to what degree can this system enrich your experience of your own life and your own interpretation of yourself and of the world around you and what, might, what you might find going on around you to the degree that it improves your quality of life and possibly improves the quality of life of others who are around you. You know, that's, that to me is the, um, the acid test. Does it actually improve your life or does it does it restrict you or does it give you a sense of expansion and growth or does it contain you and I can't go out today because the moon is waning uh, gibbous and is you know and is squaring my miles so it's gonna you know I could be up for conflict you know, say no try to look deeper than these interpretations to the thematic principles that are beneath and I think that, that, that astrology has something or at least the, the language of the zodiac and in my experience when I've used astrology I tried to be a I've worked as a professional astrologer in the past I have um, read charts for people and I think sometimes it's quite incredible how accurate it can be by just reading what's on there for me personally when I've done that the issue I had was that in so many ways what I was trying to do was return agency to the individual you know it's about your life and how does this improve your quality of life and to what degree is it valid for you you know like because some of these people would come with astrology and what I wanted to, to do was give them something, or what I felt um, uh, drawn towards giving them was the ability to go away with something more than just astrology. Like, by all means, keep this structure in the system if it's a useful language to you, but don't be contained by it, don't be restricted by it. And I felt that a lot of the times it is in the, the quality of the practitioner and the the intent of the practitioner who engages with the individual that makes the difference 
often it's there's a level of cold reading as well that goes on there I can see that but I also do wonder if there is some efficacy within it I can't deny that and I'm still in that regard a student and I would never the thing I'm very cautious about and would again advocate caution in and everyone else who's watching this, anyone who engages with it, is again, don't take it in isolation and don't take it ever as being the only, you know, definitive pathway towards a solution or towards an answer. And there we've, um, yeah, what else do I want to say? A little bit about history. I mean, how, oh, a little bit about science because, okay, how might this work if it did work is the question that comes to mind next. Um, is it causal? You know, people say, "Well, how can the how can the um, you know the distance Pluto's tiny? It takes 250 odd years to orbit the sun. How can a little body that far out uh, affect what's going on on the planet?" Well, I don't know in terms of science, but I think there's levels of science that we don't fully understand. So yet, so it could do. Um, but I would question more about the sense of correspondence, that there, whatever is going on out there is there is a correspondence. We are not separate from the solar system. We are part of the solar system as we are part of uh, a galaxy, as we are part of the universe. And at these lower levels of resolution, you know, we get to the planet, we know what happens on the planet if there are certain changes environmentally, we know it's going to affect our lives. So we know that sunspots will have an effect. And I think it was Percy Seymour who was based out of Plymouth University. That was his proposal scientifically, was that the planets affected change on the surface of the sun, the electromagnetic field of the sun, um, as they would do, you know, even subtle uh, changes they are still in orbit with the Sun they are in relationship with the Sun they're held in orbit somehow whatever that gravitational um, force is um, and so there is an electromagnetic correspondence that causes the Sun to um, shift in its electromagnetic intensities and that will have an effect on the planet because it does how that would affect each of us well possibly there is uh, the genetic a genetic level our genetics are configured by uh, by the correspondence with uh, planetary positions which would enable us to uh, again interpret a natal chart um, which is a natal chart, by the way, is the chart that is uh, measured at the time of your birth, of where the planets were located in the heavens at the time of your birth, including where you are on, on in relation to the horizon, which is called the ascendant. Um, so what's interesting about that is, um, for me, is that might be one way. The other thing is, so that would be causality, but correspondence is the other way to think about it. I would uh, invite you to consider that when, you know, we live in a, in a multi-dimensional 
universe. We know this from things like string theory and M theory. We know that, that there is uh, likely more than just um, you know the, the four um, dimensions and that these are just the uh, uh, less stable ones. Um, so in those terms what we are seeing in three or four dimensions with the movement of the planets remembering that this was studied this was like the fourth component of the quadrivium in classical education uh, was astronomy slash astrology and um, because it studied the movement of um, it was it was um, geometry and motion and time all in all in one so uh, where was I going with that? I was getting slightly distracted. Um, so, yes, correspondence. Uh, if you could imagine living in a two-dimensional universe, so imagine you live on a flat plane, what would an apple arising out of that plane, or you know, if it could materialise through that plane as it passed through it, what what trace would it leave as it passed through? It would operate as a circle, and then circles to this sort of star shape where the seeds were and then it would be a circle or disc that got smaller and smaller and smaller until it disappeared and people would on it would go well i have no idea what that was did you see that this circle just appeared and and went through and we would see it as a three-dimensional object but because these people live in two-dimensional space they wouldn't be able to see it so the thing with astrology then in terms of this notion of how it might be there might be a correspondence is in the, in the idea that whatever we are witnessing in three dimensions and the fourth dimension of time could actually be something that's operating in five six seven eight nine ten maybe even eleven dimensions and that you know we are all coexistent at some level uh, at some level of this field with all other parts of the universe I mean, this is kind of what's suggested by uh, certain scientific theory. So why wouldn't there be a correlation? And why wouldn't that just be how we interpret that? It's not that, um, you know, Mars represents that we're going to have wars then. It's not Mars because the energy of Mars is in that planet, but because we've projected that into that planet as a result of the things that we've witnessed on the earth when that's been a certain configuration. So I don't know, to be honest, I don't know, I think the jury's out completely, but it's a fascinating area. And the other thing I would say is that at the baseline, if nothing else, that developmental cycle of, uh, of the zodiac and the 12 signs and the seven basic luminaries, um, and what they represent as thematic fields can be can be used to translate so many areas of life and experience in a useful way, in a useful shorthand to sort of you know at least to make sense before we we build it back in to a, uh, you know a working way of being in the world, just to make sense of of our lives in some way. Again, similar, the same warning not to get lost in the mythology of it or to project or interject that mythology into oneself or into one's life or use it as a predictive 
um, use it as anything predictive uh, to be wary or you can use it as you know suggestive of you know oh, this period in history I mean it's interesting to see how many astrologers were predicting a significant world life-changing event that would be happening around um, October of 2019 and going on for a few years actually predicted in some instances to go on for another four years well what might that be you know a life-changing event that would happen that would change the, the world well is you know what is that is that um, did someone just leap on that you know certain conspiracy theorists might like to think well you know maybe that's all part of the plan uh, other astrologers will say well no it's kind of it was in the heavens at this particular um, conjunction of planets at the end of Capricorn as far as I remember and this was predicted you know many years in the past not of necessarily what it might be some people did predict it but then you know is that to what degree is that well you have a hundred monkeys you know 10,000 monkeys with uh, 10,000 typewriters eventually they'll write Shakespeare um, so you know it's not science I'm not trying to be scientific here by any uh, any amount but the number of people who said there would be a world class changing event um, is out there to be uh, seen in hindsight you know and people recorded it it's on YouTube many other places so there's those things oh and there was a very interesting book called Cosmos and Psyche by a man called Richard Tarnas who talks about global the significance of of the outer planets and correlations between conjunctions oppositions and squares over history it's an interesting study there's lots of interesting studies out there um, again take it lightly uh, and and use it you know where it's useful and find out what makes the sense for you and I hope that's been of interest it's quite a long one today it's about we're just over 30 minutes but I think it warrants it if you want any more information on the topic if you'd like to go deeper and would be interested in me running a course on on this notion of astrology and mythology or specifically within line with the zodiac and how you might use it to not necessarily untangle your own chart although I'd kind of be I'd potentially be up for for a group if we could all work together and there was enough people I would be interested in running a group for that um, you know just as because then we can kind of keep it to this uh, like as an academic study and and some of the different theories and insights that might be gained as well from it and where it might correlate in each individual's life so we use it as a, uh, as a study you know where is it valid why might it why might these certain interpretations be valid and what your own individual experiences of of these symbols are but you know stepping back from that then even just you know using the zodiac as a developmental symbol which is kind of did for those who were involved in the mythomap project that I ran a while ago um, which is also you know it's using some of those themes but without the uh, 
without the natal chart it's just the um, the thematic fields if you like and how they can be used to identify and articulate certain areas of life in in productive or creative ways so if you're interested in any of that um, please leave a comment in the section below or contact me on the Facebook group uh, or contact me in um, uh, via clivecreative.com I can be reached there there's a contact forms um, if any of you are interested oh, I'm also setting up in the process of setting up a discord server as well because I think it might be time to have this space for a few of us to go onto there to discuss some of these deeper topics. It, it will, there will be a paywall up at some point for that. Uh, I don't know what the cost will be. It will be fairly minimal. And uh, just, to, just to run administration, just to pay for administration and for the time it takes to, to manage that um, because my time is limited. Uh, for those of you who would like to do one-to-one -one work, I'm available. Um, you can find out the services I have from therapy to uh, counselling to uh, personal development to business development, all on the Clive Creative website. And that is all for now. I'm going to sign off and say thank you ever so much for listening. I do hope this was of value and of interest to... Um, I know this was requested by, by, by a fair few people on the polls that I'd set up in different places. So uh, I know there's a few of you who will be appreciating it. Again, please leave your comments in the section below if, if this was valuable and if there's more, uh, more detail you'd like from me about it. Um, and then we can possibly look into a course or something. Who knows? Let's just see where it leads. Thanks, thanks again.